Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Hey, family. Hey, friends. Let me bless you as we get ready to go today. I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need today, whatever help from God you need immediately. I bless you to have the courage and capacity to flourish and prevail over every challenge that you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace, whatever's going on in your life and great success in your exams. In Jesus' name, may it be. Amen. David, in Psalm 51, writes these words. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. May it be, right? Today we're on Salvation Sunday. We're going to talk about the the helmet of salvation. We have been in a series as a family here in Ephesians chapter 6, talking about putting on the full armor of God so that we can stand strong in any evil day. We've talked about how there is a very real enemy prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, a very real enemy, Satan and the demonic hosts of, of hell who work with all of their effort to try and blow up our lives, make us suffer needlessly, uh, try and make us miserable in general, having dull hearts, having unattuned hearts to Jesus, ineffective spiritually in our generation. That is the enemy's aim, but I don't want the enemy to blow up your life anymore. I don't want the enemy to keep blowing up your lives, and so we've been going through this study, and we've, we've talked about how one of the most effective ways that the, the enemy has, I guess I'm going to use the word cultivated, that the enemy has cultivated in the Christianity, especially in, in the West here, the, the way that the enemy has cultivated a Christianity environment to make us all super easy targets for him to, to blow up whenever and however he wants is by cultivating a generation of Christian streakers. Now, this is something we've talked about before, uh, but, but if you're new here or visiting, oh, sorry. It's not, we're not usually that weird of a church, but uh, yes, we're, we've been, Christian streakers basically are those who run around with the helmet of salvation only. Just that. Nothing else. Not even trying to put on righteousness like an armor or truth around their waist, or, or picking up faith, or standing in peace rooted in the gospel. They're, they're not even trying with, with those things. The enemy has con- convinced a massive percentage of Christianity that the full armor of God is just bonus stuff. It's, just, it's maybe just for those, maybe those weirdos out there who are really going for it. 
But, it, but it's, it's, it's not really that important. I mean, sure, it, it's a good idea, and, and, and maybe it'd be helpful, but is it really that big of a deal? I mean, we are saved after all. We are good to go. Is, is, and so the, end, the master liar is, is feeding us with, with these thoughts, and he's convinced us that, you know, don't really worry. I mean, if, if you get to it, you get to it, but don't really worry or be too intentional about putting on the full armor of God. Why don't you just, you know, roll with it, have a little bit of fun, be a bit of a Christian streaker, have, have, a, good, have a good time. Our series has been about stopping that. Uh, saying no, uh, stopping Christian streaking and putting on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand in the evil day. Now, <clears throat> I'm worried that we might wrongly apply that concept. The wrong application of thinking about this idea of Christian streaking or whatever is to care less about the helmet of salvation. To care, to, to care less about that. No, that, that would be an awful misapplication. Salvation is absolutely essential to, to life and to godliness. It's essential as an armor piece, which is what we're talking about today. How is salvation an armor piece, not just like a ticket into heaven? How is it protective? Salvation has a protective armor quality against enemies' attacks. So the, the aim is not to care less, but to care about all of the armor pieces and putting on all of the armor pieces, cultivating all of the armor pieces, being cherishing all of the pieces, including definitely the helmet of salvation. The last thing anybody wants any Christian streaker to do is to try and take off their helmet. Nobody wants that. Verse 10, this is where we've been at in our study here. I'm going to read this passage. We, one, two, three, four, five. We're only adding five words today. But here's the passage that we've been looking at. And, and this is what we've read in, so far in, in Ephesians chapter 6. It says this, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth, belt, uh, like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then here's our five words. <clears throat> take the helmet of salvation. Pause until next week. Take the helmet of salvation. <clears throat> helmet of salvation, big deal. Some people, though, overestimate the role, the protective role of salvation in their lives. Some people naively, and I don't even know how we get this naive, but some people naively start thinking about if I'm saved, then the enemy can't do anything to me because I'm saved, therefore I'm immune to anything uh, of the enemy kingdom ever. You know, like MC Hammer, can't touch this, mm -mm, right? That sort of a thing. Uh, like, they, I don't know. I, I don't know where they get this. They can't be looking at their lives. They can't be looking at the Bible. 
I mean, you look at even the great apostle Paul, you know, he, he is dealing with the spiritual attacks of the enemy, a messenger of Satan there to torment him. He, he's got this going on in his life as a believer. But some people overestimate, hey, if I'm saved, I'm immune. No. Some people underestimate, though, the role of salvation, and they think of it as a forgiveness ticket into heaven. Or something functionally like that. A free, no, this is a piece of armor. Salvation has an armor protective aspect to it that can protect you when the enemy is trying to blow up your life. And so we're going to talk about salvation today, but also we're going to make sure we talk about how it is an armor protective process, how we come under attack, and how salvation and taking up salvation um, serves as a protective piece for this. And it, it may be what you're expecting, maybe, maybe this will be a little bit more news to you. So today we're going to talk about the three dimensions of salvation. And the first one of these dimensions is dealing with the past. So number one, your salvation. What has Jesus done? This is the right place to always start when it comes to our salvation. What did Jesus do on the cross? What did he accomplish in his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead? What did he call us to believe? What, what did he... Um, so when I was in high school, we were taught how to t get, present the gospel, how to tell people about Jesus and, and what he has done. And we were taught to do this by drawing on a napkin. And so um, based on these decades ago memories, I decided to draw this out on a napkin for you. So uh, the, the pre presentation, again, this is old bridge illustration. If you've not seen it, you're in for a treat. But again, it's not new today. Uh, so th this is, this is what, it, what you do on, on, with the bridge illustration. You draw two cliffs. We got that up there? There we go. I know. Picasso, right? You draw two cliffs. It has to be on a napkin. Don't do it on anything else. And uh, on one side, you put a person there, and that's the starting point for people. On the other side, uh, I think I wrote heaven. Uh, it's where, you know, God, eternity with God, or something like that. And you talk about how you're on one side, and then there's a great chasm between us and God. And this chasm is so vast that there is no way any person can get across from here to, where, to God without help. I mean, you can think of it like, like swimming from here to New York without any assistance, any help, or any equipment. You're just not going to get there, no matter how confident you might be that you could do it. It, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get there. You're going to drown. I'll, I'm sorry. So, so you got that, and you, you just talk about that, that there's, there's no, you can't get there via good works. You can't get there by going to church. Like you can't get there by being religious or having the right philosophies or, or whatever. You, you just get, the, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short, Romans 3.23. They fall short of the glory of God. I guess you're, you're not going to get, we need a Savior. We, we, need, we need someone to step in. We need a hero otherwise. Now, when I, when I drew this in, in um, Teenage Brian, I, I put like little fire flames down at the bottom, make it a little bit more um, fun and, and vibrant and, and awful. And just like, you know, you're, you, you need help to get across to, to, to eternity with God. And so when we say that, well, then you draw this cross on the napkin. And now, when you put in the cross and the napkin, I put a little door in the middle because I couldn't figure out, it seemed like a problem to get to the other side with the, the top of the cross there. 
And I figure, you know, Jesus is the door, he's the gate, you know, it's okay, it's, it's kind of Jesus-like to get, get through to the other side. And, and so you put that out there, and then you start to explain, you know, what Jesus has done, and you might use Romans 6.23, which is a very simple gospel verse. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, or in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the explanation of this, this whole uh, napkin analogy here. And, and at this point, you might explain the gospel of what Jesus has done, how Jesus was a real person, historical fact. You would be amazed at how few people in our generation don't even realize that Jesus was a historical, real person. You start, you start with this, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil, Acts chapter 10. But he was a real person, but he was betrayed and crucified, and yet on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And in his death and burial and resurrection, his death paid the price for all of our sins, past, present, and future, if we believe in him, if we dedicate our lives to, to following him. If you do that, then you'll be forgiven and saved. And then usually you look at this napkin here and you're, you're like, okay, so um, where are you, friend? Are you on the cliff or have you started to trust Jesus? Are you standing on the cross? Are, are you, have you given your life to Jesus to trust him? Are you going through Jesus the gate? And so, yeah, that's how, the, that's how the gospel, again, great, great news, great news, good news, great joy. So that, that's part of the gospel of what Jesus has done for the past, but, but how is that an armor thing for us? How, how does the enemy attack us in, in this area? What, what is it, how do we know that we are under attack when it comes to what Jesus has done in the past? Well, the enemy comes against our certainty. Did this really happen? Really dead? A real person? Genuinely raised from being dead, dead to being alive, alive? Did this really happen? And so the enemy wants to undermine certainty. And so you have a, an attack against uh, this, this confidence in, in salvation. But again, faith is believing. And we have great, great historical reason for believing these historical events were certainly true. It's one of the most certain facts based on the science behind how we determine historical accuracy and the historical records, uh, the validity of historical records is one of the most certain events. It's, it's not difficult to believe, but the enemy wants you to doubt. And, and so that comes under its attack. But faith is believing. Believing what you believe. Not letting the enemy come against you in, in this attack against your, your thoughts about salvation. But the question is, is your certainty under attack? Is that a word that you can use when, it, when you think about what Jesus has done? If not, your helmet's loose. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying your, your helmet's loose and it's sloshing around and it's, it's not very effective. It might, it, might be, it might be causing some problems. So what, what happens if you find your helmet's loose and not very protective in that, in that area? Well... You stand, you call it out, you rebuke, you remember, and you believe. Yeah, that's, that's one aspect of our salvation, dealing with the past and how the, the enemy comes against us, but we stand with certainty. The second aspect of, of our salvation has to do with the future. 
and what Jesus will certainly do in the future, being transfixed with the joy of eternity with God. Again, eternal life, resurrection from the dead. Your, your salvation isn't just the past thing. It is so connected to the future. Like it, it is an inseparable, joyful part and one that we often kind of downplay a little bit. But the, the message of our lives is every single person has to stand before God someday and give an account of our lives. And this is why believing in Jesus is such a big deal. In fact, I'm going to read from Revelation 20 because it's one of my favorite passages I have a lot of favorite passages, but it's dealing with this, this day we, when we die and we stand before God and what is, what is going to happen there. It's part of the gospel. It's part of this salvation reality. Revelation 20. Then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead. The great and the small standing before the throne, and the books, plural, the books, were opened. Another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books, plural. In the, in the books is the works. Then the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each one, each one was judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, the book of life, whose name, not found in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. Okay, so here, here's... Here's what we are experiencing. Every living being, every human is going to stand before God someday. The, the books will be opened. Our lives will be evaluated. And we have no hope of going into eternity with God, which many people refer to as heaven. But eternity with God, forgiveness. We have no hope of that based on the book, the books, the deeds, our deeds. We have no hope. But there is one other book. The Lamb's book of life, Jesus' book. And in that book are no deeds, only names. It's one of my favorite things of the gospel. No deeds, just names. And the question is, is your name in that book? In the book of, of grace, in the, in the book of forgiveness, in the book of life? If so, yay. Yay. Forgiveness, grace, eternity with, with God. How do you get your name in the, into that book? How do you know if your name is in that book? You believe in Jesus. You give your life to Jesus and, and you're saved. Now some people share the gospel of salvation uh, connected only to what Jesus did in the past, like that bridge illustration. Well, although the bridge illustration does have that future aspect to it. But some really lean in on sharing the gospel when it comes to the future aspect of salvation. There's this guy who's written like a bajillion tracts, uh, Ray Comfort. I, he's pretty famous for tract writing. And, and so uh, well, I remember him sharing a story, a gospel tract story, where he's kind of presenting the gospel with a very future focus. And so, you know, this is the Brian Ingram modified version because I haven't seen it in several decades. But, but the, the modified version is, let's say you're going to the Glasgow airport. Sorry. And you're going to get on a flight going to London. I don't know why you do that, but let's just say. 
And so you're getting, you're getting ready to board a flight, a, a flight, and some passionate person comes up to you and says, hey, friend, I've got good news. I have got a parachute here for you. And if you put on this parachute and wear it through the whole flight, you will be so happy. And you're like, well, I do want to be happy. So that sounds great. Thank you for this free gift of a parachute. And I put on the parachute and I get onto the plane and I go to my seat and I, I kind of get into my seat a little. I mean, it's, I'm wearing a parachute. And so it's, I mean, it's already crampy seats, right? And, and so now I'm kind of in the seat, like with parachute on. And, and I'm like, okay, I made it. Click, buckled in. Um, and whew, great. Waiting to be happy. And I, then I start looking around the plane, you know, like as I can. And I'm like, oh, wow. Um, they're looking at me like I'm a weirdo. Like, I, I, I kind of feel like I'm the biggest nutter. They're like, what is going on? And all these other people, they've got lots of room. I mean, not lots of room, but they have more room than I've got. They can kind of move around. I mean, they've got some freedom that I don't feel like I have as I'm kind of cramped into this seat here. And, and man, everybody just thinks I'm weird. In fact, some of them are actually really mad at me. I mean, they think it's really inappropriate that I'm wearing this here. It's scaring the people. It's making people feel uncomfortable. This whole parachute thing that, I, that I'm doing. And, and let's say I even got on the plane and offered people some parachutes. You want some parachutes? You want some parachutes? And they're just like, you are the most weirdest person I've ever met. And so you're there, and, you're, and you're, the flight's going on. You're like, okay, it's been a while. I mean, 20 minutes in here. And, you know what? I don't know if I feel happy. I, I, I kind of feel a little bit lied to. I, I feel like duped. I've been lied to. Like this isn't, like, this isn't making me happy. It's making me the, the, this weirdo and nobody likes me and people are mad at me and I'm feeling uncomfortable because I don't have the freedom that everybody else seems to be able to have on, the, on, the, on this flight. So, you know, I'm not going to get rid of the parachute, obviously, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to chair it. Maybe I'll put it under my seat or something like that. I'll keep it, I'll keep it around. But I want to I be more comfortable. I feel lied to. Now, at this point, you know, that's... A sad story, a sad story of people like hearing and responding poorly. But, but same scenario, you're at the Glasgow airport, but this time the guy passionately comes up to you and, and hands you a parachute and he says, if you wear this parachute on the plane, you will be so happy because at an unknown moment, instantly everybody on the plane is going to be ejected. And when that happens, you will be so happy that you're wearing this parachute. And everybody who's not wearing a parachute is not going to be happy. In fact, here's some extra parachutes. Why don't you try and get people to wear this parachute? It will be great for them if they do. That perspective changes everything. It changes your whole experience of uncomfortable situations. When everybody's thinking you're the weirdo, but you know what's coming. You're, you're cramped into your seat, and you're kind of packed in there, and you're like, I'm not as comfortable or loose or free as everybody else is right now, and yet, and yet I know what's coming, and so I don't mind being the weirdo. I don't mind people thinking I'm, I'm, I'm just scaring people. They should be scared. Like, we are going to be ejected. We're all going to be at that moment where we're flying through the air. Will you have a parachute or not? 
The, the, the perspective, the eternal perspective helps you with your momentary uncomfortableness. It helps you remember why it's such a big deal to, to, uh, keep, to keep going. To keep going. The enemy, the enemy wants you to doubt and disbelieve as much as he can about God and the future and heaven. Heaven, that sounds a little bit weird. Huh? Nah, that's not. If he can't get you to not believe it, he's going to want you to at least not care, focus much on it right now. Like, okay, cool. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I mean, you're, you're good to go if it's, if it's not kind of real. But, you know, it's not for today. No, don't worry about it today. I mean, you've got, you've got your heaven ticket. Why don't you just go ahead and, and just kind of put that to the side. That is, that is the most dangerous thing when it comes to the armor aspects of our salvation. To just put it to the side. Because the eternity is so much about the why when it comes to why are we feeling so uncomfortable? Why are we, why are we enduring people thinking that we're weirdos? Like, it, it, it's, it's part of the why. But the enemy wants us to get our minds and our thoughts off of the importance of thinking about the, the reality of heaven now. See, that's for later. If he gets us off of thinking about that for now, then he can wind you up about today. Man, you're not feeling very comfortable, are you? Huh, what a joke. Why don't you just kind of relax a little bit? Give yourself some space. Why don't you put that, hold on to the parachute or strap it around your ankle or something like that. Keep it nearby, of course. But, you know, it's not really a big deal. Probably, you probably won't get ejected right now. Just, you know, keep it around. And he can totally, then he can start wrecking you once you, once you, once you have more space. Because you're not, you're not remembering your why. You're your why. So you know when the enemy is attacking you, when it comes to your salvation connected to the future aspects, if you start hearing yourself thinking these words, mm, this, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if today's restraint against walking down this path of, of uh, away from God is, I don't know if the restraint is worth it today. Because, I mean, that sure looks pretty great today. You know, heaven's kind of a long ways off. We're not really, you know. Or, or, or is it worth it when, you, when, you're, when you're thinking about just like your, your current um, rejection of your friends? Well, I want people to like me and not think I'm weird. So I'm just going to kind of, wait, no, why, 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 why? Hmm. Have you lost the joy? Now, again, not, not having lost your salvation, but is your heaven joy focus under attack? Is your heaven perspective have you become, is that so on the back burner, it's not helping protect you for today? That's, that's the question. Is it so on the back burner that it's not effectively helping protect you to today? And if that's the case, you stand, you rebuke that enemy attack, you remember, you, you believe. You believe what you believe. All right. Third piece. Now, most people stop there when it comes to the gospel, but there's a today aspect of our salvation as well, which people might underestimate. Your salvation, what Jesus has done for you today. What Jesus has done for you today. Friends, salvation isn't just this past and future thing. It's, it's, it's something for you today so that you can stand strong today, no matter what evil and awful you're facing. When you're saved you become a new creation being. You are no longer what you were. Your life goes from you 
to united. And you become someone who is inseparably united with God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. You go from just you to a new creation. You become something that you weren't before. This is, this is an empower, a powerful thing where the Spirit comes and, and seals you and guarantees you for, for salvation. He starts revealing truth to you. He starts cultivating in you the, the fruit of, of the Spirit. Not only that, when the Spirit is in you, you become empowered with the same power that was at work raising Christ from the dead to resist the enemy's work in your life and around in people's lives around you, to repel those attacks because the Spirit of God has given you insight into what is happening and, and the, the empowerment to, to, to stand against what is happening. The enemy attacks the armor connected to salvation today by attacking your identity. You're nothing special. What? You're nothing special. You were you, and now you are a new creation. Connected, filled with the Spirit. I have this, you have the Spirit of God. It, you, are not, you are a new creation being. Ah, you're just, you're, you're kind of a worthless sinner. What? You're a new creation. Forgiven, redeemed, restored. You are, it attacks your, your identity. Maybe you're sitting here today, you're feeling lowly about yourself. Oh, God probably doesn't even think too much about me. Huh. You are united with Christ. Is your identity under attack? That salvation, that identity, salvation aspect of you under attack, in that case, you, you stand, you rebuke. You remember, you believe. You believe what you believe. You believe what you believe. Again, the helmet of salvation is more than just a, a ticket into heaven. It's armor. And it's protective against the, the enemy um, schemes against you. And so we keep calling ourselves and encouraging each other to believe what we believe. How can the enemy convince you that God's, that God's not real when his very spirit is within you? And has been helping you and guiding you and, and, and leading you and, and having made you into a new creation person. The enemy wants you apathetic and uncertain about your salvation. But Jesus refers to salvation like a treasure. Like a treasure discovered. That the kind of treasure that of so much value and pricelessness that you would sell everything for this treasure. How long has it been since you've viewed your salvation like the greatest treasure? Cherishing the treasure of salvation. I'm not going to waste my life trying to debate what the most minimum entrance requirement into heaven is. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, family, friends, let's run after Jesus. Let's believe in Jesus. Let's get baptized in his name. Let's, let's, let's run and not walk. Let's, let's learn his ways. Let's follow him all the days of your life. You're doing that. There's nothing to worry about. Just running after Jesus. Believe that Jesus died on the cross. 
Be, be, believe in, in, in eternity with God and look forward to it with eager anticipation. These words better by far ring in our, in our heads with, with wonderful certainty and, and hope and joy. And believing what has happened, what has transformed us today as we've become saved, become new creation being, beings. Friends, Christ is in you. Now, connected to that, this is what Paul writes to the church. Now, Paul writes this to the church about those words, Christ is in you. So this is a, he calls the church to evaluate. He says this in, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. He says, test yourselves. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? This isn't, this isn't saying doubt your salvation. This is saying testing is okay. Testing is okay. It's not doubting, it's checking. It's good to have evaluation time as a church, as a family here. Christ is in you, right? You have, you have Christ, the Spirit of Jesus, in you, right? Right? You believed in Jesus for your salvation. You believe in, in, in eternity with God, that God has forgiven you and made, made a way. You, you, you've been baptized in the name of Jesus. You, you're excited about your future with God. You're committed to walking with Him and running with Him all the days of your life. Friends, I just encourage you today, take up the helmet of salvation. To make sure that the straps are tight, that it's firm and secure, that it's not loosely wobbling around, but that, that it, it, is, it is firm and secure, firm and certain, firm and, and set, firm by believing in Jesus. You know when you have your helmet of salvation firm and secure, when you feel joy. Joy. That's why David writes, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Challenge, uh, challenge for day, salvation check. It's good. It's a good evaluation thing. Are you certain about your salvation in Jesus? Are there any enemy attacks going against your salvation certainty connected to what Jesus did in the past? What he will do in the future or is doing as one filled with the Holy Spirit today. Tighten up any looseness by choosing to believe what you believe. We're going to do that. Just kind of start to do that right now. Why don't you have, go ahead and close your eyes for a moment and, and check in with God. How do you feel about the certainty of historical events connected to your salvation. Maybe your prayer is, Jesus, help me restore my certainty. Again, there's so many facts to help you with that, but restore my certainty. I want to be unshakable in my believing what I believe, believing what you wrote in your Bible. I choose to believe. I choose to be certain. Or maybe when it comes to eternity with God, have you, have you been apathetic about that? Kind of had it on the shelf and not central in, in, your, in your focus and joy. Okay, Jesus, I'm bringing that back off the shelf. 
I want to be captivated with the joy of the trajectory of my life which goes towards eternity with you. Better by far. Maybe your identity today, you're feeling like you're, you're worthless and maybe not even on God's mind. Don't let the enemy twist your thinking about your identity. The Bible is very clear. You're a new creation. Cherished. Rebuke. Remember. Belief. Maybe you need to, maybe you're here and you're like, I, I don't know if I'm, I don't think I've ever really believed in, like given my life to follow Jesus, believed in Jesus. Or you know what, I've been way off and I need to, I just need to get back going again. I need to get back believing in Jesus. Well, I suggest praying something like this in the quietness of this time. God, here I am. I dedicate or I rededicate the entirety of my life now to following you. I believe and I commit myself to following you and trusting you for my forgiveness connected to my past and my, my uh, forgiveness connected to my future. Fill me with the joy of salvation. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me forward. My life is yours now. In Jesus' name, amen.